You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Husker CuzCast for all podcast updates and more. It is our Purdue preview episode. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about a, a couple of items here. The playoff committee rankings will be out next week. So we, since uh, we won't have a show prior to that, we're going to go ahead and take a guess on what those rankings will be. Uh, so, Derek, let's, let's start off with you. All right. Well, I, I did this a little different. I went with what I think they should be rather than what I thought they would be. Sure. Uh, but if if you're going to go with what they what I think the committee will do, it'll end up probably being Georgia, Ohio State, Cincinnati, and Bama. Uh, maybe not in that order, but I think those would be the four teams. And uh, I, I went I went the other way. I went with where where I think they should be right now. I went with Georgia. I went with Michigan number two because I think they they've been one of the most impressive teams in the country outside of Georgia. Uh, I went with Ohio State three because I think they've shown a lot of improvement. Their defense seems to be fixed, and they're doing a lot better. And then I went with Cincinnati number four with uh, Bama and Michigan State next up. Wow. Uh, Tyler, how do you have them? Well, I I guess the very first thing I'll do is what I think they will do, what they would have done. If they would have came out this week, I think number one is Georgia. I think number two they would have had Bama. Because those jerks would have put them up there. I think three would have been uh, uh, Oklahoma, and then four would either be Michigan or Ohio State. I don't think Cincinnati's in the top four. I don't think they're in the top five. I think they'd be sixth right now, maybe even seventh. Um, what I would do is, um, number one, Georgia, I think that they're just really good defensively right now. It's hard to argue that. Um, number two, I would probably have Michigan. Number three, Michigan State, and number four, Oklahoma. Um, I could, I could, I could flip. I could flip and put Michigan State ahead of. Um, I, I really the two through four I could change, but that that'd be my top four. All right, so let, let's fast forward to next week. So Michigan and Michigan State will play this weekend. So go ahead, tip your hand here. What both those teams will not be in it next week. So, uh, who who gets in? Yeah. So so do it from that standpoint then. I mean, this is also going to be well. I, I guess it won't be tip of I'd put Ohio State probably in there. So start over. I I I I'd have number one. Well, probably I'd have number one the winner of Michigan State Michigan, but Georgia the winner of that one. Number three Oklahoma. Number four Ohio State. Okay, and who are your uh, runner ups there? Outside looking in, 5-6. Probably Bama, Cincinnati, in that order. Wow. Uh, My rankings are, this is kind of where I think they will be next week, and this is where I think they should be. Uh, One, Georgia. Two, Alabama. uh, Three, Cincinnati. Four, Ohio State. Michigan will be five, and then Oklahoma, six. Uh, That's... I think Cincinnati will get in there, uh, at least in the first round of the playoff committee, and they deserve to be. I'll I'll say this, and here here's my thing: I think Cincinnati will be in there to start, 
But I think by the end of the season, when when Notre Dame probably loses another game or two, they will uh, that game will not look as good for beating Notre Dame, and then it'll drop their resume down, and the committee will show it by dropping them out in the last week. Probably they have a precedence of doing that. I mean, Cincinnati they only have one good game uh, remaining game, and that's going to be against SMU. So that's the only other game that they're going to have to pad their uh, uh, resume. And, and I think that's going to be a really good game, actually. But and, and again, it, I, I don't it, want to. It will be, but here's the problem: the the committee will still look at it as an AAC team or what or whatever conference they're in. They're going to go well. It's still a group of five teams, so it's not it's not a big win. I mean, that's yeah, what they I did. Mean, that's what they essentially did with UCF four years ago. Five, three years ago, I, I mean, Heupel had him playing really well, but well, by God, you're—I mean, you only had that one win, and it was all against group of five teams. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think that Cincinnati. You know, maybe by my rankings, you think that I think they have no shot to make the playoffs, and I actually think this is a year. Because I think Notre Dame—I I don't know if they're gonna, Notre Dame's going to lose twice more. They, they might lose once more, but I don't know if they're losing twice more. I think that Notre Dame you know, going deeper would not shock me if they were top 10 on the initial rankings. Um, but, but I, th- but I think I, even, one, I think even one Notre Dame loss probably ruins that win for Cincinnati. But he, here's where I guess I'm at. So, okay. So right now, if you're playing this out sitting here on October 26, you, you look and you say, okay, one big 10 team's probably going to make it. Whoever it is, it could be Ohio state, it could be Michigan, Michigan state. It won't be Iowa, but it could be, it could be Iowa, I guess it's possible, but in a world there will be one Big Ten team. Then you look at Oklahoma, probably has a realistic shot. Even if they lose one, I think they still have a shot to get in. But the question is, if Bama trips up somewhere and they didn't look unbeatable against Tennessee, like they're not going to put a two-loss Bama team in, are they? Like not initially. Oh, they, no, they, I mean, but they've they've proven that they're not going to do that. When they lost, was it in 2019, they had two losses. They didn't let them in. Yeah. I mean, so I I, I don't see it coming out of the Pac-12, and I don't see it coming out of the ACC. So it really, I think this is a year of all years. There is actually a shot for Cincinnati to make their way in. Yeah. I mean, do you guys think the Pac-12 will be left out at the end of the year for the final uh, playoff rankings? Pac-12 gets left out, right? Most if, if or if Oregon wins out, they have a shot. I mean, right? I mean, if they win out and they they beat Ohio State, they would have a shot. I just don't think Oregon's that good. I just think Oregon's going. They almost lost this last weekend. I think they're going to trip up. I think the Big Twelve is another conference that could be left out. The Pac twelve and uh, the Big Twelve and the ACC Eight is definitively. See, the question is: If Oklahoma yeah. loses yeah. one game, do they get left out? And I don't know that. I think that'll be interesting. They might have the weakest resume out of the six that we've mentioned. This might, this might be a really tall order here, but does Wake Forest have a chance to get in if they win out? If an, an undefeated ACC champion in Wake Forest? Yes. I mean, they're 7-0 right now. I mean, and I, and I don't, I, and, I don't and think I, they're going to – I don't think they'll win out. And I think Pitt – Probably, if they win I mean, out, they probably have a shot too. But I just don't see either of those scenarios the, happening. The, the problem is, is Wake Forest really don't have any play left on their schedule. 
that seems overly daunting at this point. Like they have Duke, North Carolina, uh, NC State, Clemson, and Boston College. And I mean, they could lose three every of one those. of the. Three of them are four and three. One's five and two, and one's three and four. Yeah, they could lose them, but if they beat, if they win out, I mean, their resume still don't look very strong if they win out. But it's an ACC champion, and Clemson never had a good resume in the ACC really either. And they always were locked to get in. I'm basically writing They're- off ACC and Pac-12. I'm writing them out of out of it out of the equation. And that's fair. And that's fair. What I will say in defense of Wake Forest is I if I didn't do my whole top 10 of what I would do if I was the committee, but I would have Wake Forest in my initial top 10. Like, if you're undefeated in a Power 5 conference at this point in the season, like, they're being really slow. I mean, I know their resume isn't great, but if it was Clemson, if the only thing you changed, the scores were the same, everything was the same, but you just flipped the names, Clemson would be top two in the country. And I'm not advocating oh, Wake Forest be top two, but they should be in the top ten right now. That's what I'm. That's where I'm going with it. I guess I, I'm not necessarily saying necessarily saying I think. I mean, even Pittsburgh, if it wasn't for their one loss, their one loss just looks terrible on them. But I mean, Pittsburgh seven six and one or seven and one, and if they won out, I guess I think I think their one loss would probably keep Pittsburgh out. So Wake Forest would have to be the undefeated team. I I just think at the end of the day, a one loss Power Five conference champion, no matter what conference, is going to get in over Cincinnati unless unless Notre Dame wins out. Like they need that they need that because if Notre Dame wins out, then all of a sudden you start putting them in the top six or seven. I think you would it'd be hard to argue keeping Cincinnati out. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you this much. Cincinnati may take care of themselves if they continue to play the way they did this weekend. Because they're not going to go undefeated if they play like they did this weekend. Well, I mean, Cincinnati, and, and again, I think they're, they're a fun team to root for, but Cincinnati in general has not been overly impressive in a lot of games this year. I mean, they barely beat Indiana. I mean, in Indiana, we've, we've seen what they've turned into. I mean, they, they looked good against... Uh, um, Notre Dame, but I mean, yeah, they tripped, I guess, I mean, the exception of the Indiana game, but they tripped up there. I wouldn't be shocked to see him slow down towards the end of the year against an ECU, South Florida. I mean, they've got some games that could challenge them late if they don't play their A game. SMU, as we talked about. So yeah, you talked, you talked about SMU. That's not a game that's guaranteed. They're going to win. If they lose, if they play like that against SMU, SMU will destroy them. Cause they did not play well on uh, uh, Saturday. <laughs> I guess but Justin would be maybe. heartbroken. Justin wants Cincinnati in I so do. bad. I do want Cincinnati in there. I think it'll, it'll make the playoff a lot more entertaining putting Cincinnati in there instead of the uh, usual suspects. I, so, I mean. I, I think Justin, you're going to have a little quick. bit of mix-up anyway this year. Like, you're, you're already guaranteed Clemson ain't getting in there. Yeah. I, I, I know everybody says that. The SEC, if Alabama wins out and beats Georgia, I I still kind of struggle to think that 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 the that the committee puts both of those teams in. With what teams? I, Georgia and Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I'm counting on it. I, I don't. I think say, I'm will. not. I, not I, if you're playing if in the goes, SEC championship. If Georgia's undefeated, I could see it, but I I just don't. Again, 
there's still a lot of football to be played. I just don't think all I, it's I, not going to be chalk it. the rest of the year. And I think that there's going to be upsets. And here's the thing: there's going to be that fall. Everyone's going to talk about the year that Georgia and Alabama already made it. But don't forget that that year Auburn was the one that went to the SEC championship because they beat Alabama, and then they lost to Georgia. So Bama jumped back ahead of Auburn. They, they, the committee has yet to put a, a championship game with both teams and just throw them both in the playoffs. And I don't think they're going to do that this year either. Well, we'll see how far off we are when we hear the rankings next week. We'll talk about it on the show when we come back next Tuesday. Uh, before we get into the Purdue preview, I just want to uh, talk about something real quick, and that's the new overtime rules in college football. I guess I must have been sleeping like underneath a rock or something because I had no idea that these were the new rules for overtime rules. And uh, Illinois at Penn State went nine overtimes, and the new overtime rules are after the uh, beginning with the third possession of overtime, you start going for two-point conversions – but you don't need a touchdown. It's one play for a two-point conversion from the three-yard line. The way that it's been for years and years and years is beginning with the third possession. Uh, you still start from the 25, and then if you score a touchdown, then you go for a two-point conversion. That's the way it's always been. Now they changed it where you start from the three-yard line with one play. And I got to say, this is might be the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Over... Overtime takes forever now, especially if nobody's scoring, which is the case of this one. Uh, but Derek, I got to ask you, what did you think of the new overtime rules when you saw it laid out in this game? Well, keep in mind that this this whole rule change was brought in because of the Texas A&M LSU game a couple of years ago that went seven overtimes, and they scored, I think, 70 points apiece or whatever. And they changed it for player health. And I got to talk to you about how ironic and how actually funny it is that in the first time that, that, this, that they actually go into this two-point conversion to be safer, you know, Art Satowski <laughs> gets hit and breaks his arm. Like Player safety. <laughs> yeah, pl- player safety. Good job on that one, guys. Uh, this rule was dumb. I, when, when they changed it, I thought it was dumb. Uh, and now that I've seen it, it's even more dumb because – now you're just watching six hours of commercials and 10 seconds of play. It takes forever for them to switch. You know, they got to switch it ends of the field. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do this, at least play the same side of the field or, or whatever, do something different. Cause th- th- that ain't working. Walking. I mean, you're taking a hundred yard walk. Hell that no one of the players couldn't score. They were tired from walking back and forth every damn play. Yeah. Tyler, what did you think? Well, I, I guess let me we whine. I mean, first of all, that that was a really interesting game. Um, I don't know if it was a good football game at any point in time, but it was a really interesting game that really got negated by that overtime. And and everything you guys say is correct. It's it's dumb. Yeah. When I heard the change, I was like, that could be kind of like a shootout. But we saw the worst case scenario of it. We saw Sean Clifford, who is clearly not a hundred percent. And the probably the worst quarterback play in the Big Ten in Illinois, and it was just it was like the most incompetent football that you will ever see in your life. And they couldn't get two yards. It was so painful to watch. It wasn't exciting. Like it was, it wasn't like this edge your seat moment. And I guess if you had better 
quarterback play, maybe it could have been a little bit more exciting, but it's bad. I hate, I never liked college football overtime. It went from bad to just unwatchable at this point. Well, I'll totally disagree with you on the on the college football overtime. I loved it. The way it was, I thought was phenomenal. Yeah. But let me ask you this, Tyler. Were, were you not shocked at all that Brett Bielma, who was putting nine offensive linemen in throughout the game, did not try it once on the two-point conversion overtimes? Yeah, yes, I was. I mean, like, the fifth one. Okay, now we're going to actually man up and do – I mean, it was – it was horrible. I mean, like, I, yeah, I, I was surprised by that play I mean, calling. You, you were you were relying on the run as Brett Bilma. He was relying on the run through that, throughout that whole game, knowing that his quarterback play was a little subpar. And all of a sudden, here's the game on the line, and all of a sudden that's what you're going to rely on is your subpar quarterback? Well, and especially when one of the times you get the ball second, right? One of the times you get the ball second, you already know they didn't get it. Like, yeah, like pick. I, I don't remember the sequence of who got it first, but like pick, pick the fourth overtime or the fifth or sixth overtime and be like, okay, nothing to lose here. We're going to run it. And yeah, I mean, it was, um, I don't know. I, I don't understand the take. I've heard some people say it was exciting. I mean, no, it wasn't. And, and what I will say, though, is typically if you said a nine overtime game, you would have bet anything that the over would have hit. Yeah. And 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 as people as as we like to gamble, the, the worst thing if you ever bet an over under in college football is when you see that overtime happen. Exactly. Been burned by that you, before. Because <laughs> you, you know, that's down the drain. And and while you're still probably SOL like. Man, at least this gives you hope in that scenario. But it, yeah, it's it's a terrible rule. Um, I don't know. They need to fix it. I, I don't know how they can't figure out overtime in college football. Do you think this will be the rule next year? No. Yes. I, I, I don't. I think they'll change it again already. They, they, I don't know what they'll change it to, but I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna go back and look at this game and see an injury right off the bat and realize that it's no safer to do it this way. And go. The fans aren't happy. It didn't turn out well. Let's let's do something different. I mean, it is fewer plays for the teams. It is fewer plays. Uh, it's just it just takes forever. <laughs> well, you know, you know, the first thing you could do is make it a little harder to score in overtime. Don't set them up so you got an automatic field goal. Oh, I mean, if you went back to the previous way and then just moved them back to the forty or fifty, yeah, yeah. yeah. That would be the smart way to go, but yeah, I I don't know. I I, I don't like this uh, new format, and I just think uh, God, I'd hate to see Nebraska. I'd hate to see Nebraska what they would do in uh, a format like this. It would uh, it kind of suck knowing that you have just one play, only one play. To get in there, but I don't know why that would suck any more than any time we go into overtime. Now <sighs> we got four plays and we lose, so it don't really matter. I, I I guess you know you're right. I guess it's kind of like just ripping the bandaid off, you know, <laughs> <laughs> quick or slow. You know, I don't think we have to worry about going to three overtimes. Yeah, you're right. Well, let's talk about Nebraska. Uh, Purdue comes to town for a two thirty kickoff in Lincoln. Uh, you know, 
we, we say it all the time, but this is like a, a must win for Scott Frost here. We got four games left. Uh, Purdue, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa. This is the easiest of those four. And, you know, you're, you're sitting at three and five. You need this one. Uh, I don't know. Maybe bull eligibility is already out the door, out the window at this point. But you got you to gotta stack a couple of wins up here. And this is one that you that you absolutely need. I know it's kind of goofy that we always talk about must wins, but in this case, it is. Uh, there's a little bit of injury concerns, or we had injury concerns. Uh, some of these are being, I, I guess they're okay. I don't know. Tyler, do you want to talk, uh, address the injuries? Yeah, I think, it, well, let's start with Ramir Johnson. I guess some positive news that you actually probably take the bank. Ramir Johnson has cleared concussion protocol. Um, he got his bell rung pretty good against uh, Minnesota. Um, possibly a big factor why we ended up losing that game. Um, but, yeah, he, he looks like he's going to be healthy and ready to go. Uh, Deontay Williams is, uh, I would say, is a definitive out which could be a really big deal when we get into this breakdown. But I think the one that's the most interesting to me right now is Adrian Martinez. Um, you know, a lot of speculation was that he was possibly banged up a lot worse than we were led on to going into that Minnesota game. Don't know how much of that's true. Uh, but now the coaches are saying he's near or at 100%, which I also don't know if it's true. Um, so it, I, I think that there's a lot of... Uh, I think that's a great thing to say gives uh Purdue a sure a hell of a lot more to prepare for if you're expecting 100% Adrian Martinez but so I'd be saying that too but I guess do you guys buy that I guess do you think Adrian was banged up worse than we led on believe against Minnesota and if so do you think he's all of a sudden 100% now I guess which side is it because I don't think it could be both uh I do think he was banged up against Minnesota and you saw that in his level of play he he wasn't running but uh you know, and also we saw the pictures of his ankle wrapped prior, right? We talked about that last week. Uh, is he 100%? I don't know. I mean, you know, when Scott Frost talks about injuries, it's like, you know, what, what does close mean? You know, when he says a player's day-to-day or close, you know, it could be three or four weeks. 100%? That's a new one. He hasn't said that one before. So I, I really don't know what that means. Is 100% truly day-to-day in Frost speak? Maybe, uh, but I, yeah, I, I, I don't really believe it. Uh, we need him to be a hundred percent because he cannot have the same performance against, uh, that he had, uh, against Minnesota. That's not going to work against Purdue's, uh, defense there. Derek, what'd you think about that? Well, I mean, I, I think there's a better chance that he's a hundred percent than, uh, oh, Sean Clifford, which was really banged up last week. And James Franklin came out this week and said, he's a hundred percent coming into this week. Uh, the bye week I, I don't know if he's a hundred percent, probably not. I don't, I usually don't heal quite that fast. Uh, is he, is he much better shape than Minnesota? Probably. Uh, was he banged up in Minnesota? I believe probably more than we know. Uh, do I think he's again, do I think he's a hundred percent? Probably not. But can I get a 90, 90 to ninety five percent, Adrian? I'll take it. One of the things that um, has been uh, on social media is 
you know, talking about the backup quarterback situation and is a, you know, a 70% Adrian Martinez better than Logan Smothers. I mean, what do you guys think of that, Tyler? Uh, yes, I think he's not an 80% Adrian Martinez better than Logan Smothers. Um, I mean, 50% probably not, but I think that if Adrian did not play well against Minnesota, I think that performance would still better than what Logan Smothers would have looked like. I, again, I, I, I want to you got to give credit to Minnesota's defense. Minnesota's defense has been good all year long. We saw what they did against Maryland. Um, they completely shut down Maryland's offense. They have a good defense, and they game planned really well against Adrian. And I don't want to just let Adrian off the hook completely and say it was all injury because he wasn't like I don't believe his shoulder was thrown messed up. His decision making was off. There was other things playing there too. So, but ultimately, yes, I think Adrian Martinez being what level he was against Minnesota was better than Logan Smothers. Derek. I I find that hard to answer because I still don't know what we're getting out of Logan Smothers. Right. Like the times he's been in, I thought he's looked good, but it's been against lesser competition. So I I, I wouldn't have been opposed that if Adrian Martinez was that banged up to at least give Logan, Logan Smothers a shot. Yeah, especially when Adrian Martinez was struggling, you know, you know, like uh, change it up, put Logan Smothers out there. I don't know. That, that Maybe just lot. give him a series. I mean, you don't have to give him the rest of the game. It's not baseball. Once you pull him, he doesn't have to stay out the rest of the game. Right. Uh, let's talk about this Purdue offense. Uh, they got a few weapons here. Uh, who wants to start it off? Tyler? Well, they have a lot of weapons. Um, I, I, I guess I'll, I'll start with Adrian O'Connell. Um, Adrian O'Connell is quietly having a pretty good year um, over at Purdue. Um, I just want to point out the last two games against Iowa and uh, Wisconsin. In both of those games, he has went for 75% passing uh, in both of those games against the two best defenses in the league. Um, Overall, Purdue is the number two passing offense in the Big Ten, and I think a lot of it has to do with the wide receiver he's throwing to. All right, Derek. All right, well, let's uh, back that train up just a little bit. Uh, let's not forget Aiden, not Adrian, Aiden O'Connell. Adrian <laughs> Martinez. I'm sorry. At least I got the first name of the guy, Aiden. Sorry. Tyler, I mean, the great butcher of only, names. He he only has 1,300 yards passing this year. He's got seven touchdowns to eight interceptions. Like, let's not make Aiden O'Connell some great quarterback. He had a couple good games, sure. He has not been great. He's also 12 rushes for negative 83 yards, which I'm assuming was all sacks. Uh with the exception of the one touchdown he has that he ran in for. Uh, he's he's not having as great of a season as you're talking about, especially when you have weapons like David Bell and Milton Wright out there. Because I think those are two of the better wide receivers probably in the Big Ten, outside of maybe Ohio State. Uh, I don't know. It seems to me like their offense is really kind of sputtered compared to what we expect out of Purdue. So I, fair points, Derek. I may, I don't know if I said the word great. He's having a really solidly good season. Is probably a better way. I think you have to look at what the rest of the Big Ten's doing and who he's played against. I mean, the fact that he has played against Iowa, uh, Wisconsin, and uh, Minnesota in the last three games, like those are three really good defenses. 
The other thing when you look at Aiden O'Connell is when you look at what he's done in his career, my stat of the week is what he's done on the road, and this will be in Nebraska. He has completed 75% or 70% of his passes on the road, 10 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. At home in his career, he's 62%, uh, 12 TDs, 9 interceptions. Again, great is probably a strong word, but when you look at the Big Ten, if you're ranking quarterbacks, there are you're not getting that far down in the Big Ten before you list his name. What, he's the fifth, sixth best quarterback in the conference right now? I don't think he's the best quarterback on the team. Well, that is interesting one, because a lot of teams for have... One, for, for two, I want to add this too. Let's not forget that, yes, their passing stats look good, but it's because they have to pass because they can't run the friggin' ball. They average 74 yards a game rushing. They're 129th in the country in rushing offense. They are second to last out of all teams. So, yeah, they're getting some passing yards because that's all they can do. They can't run it. Well, a lot of teams have a 1-2 combo punch with uh, running backs. Purdue, they have a 1-2 and maybe a 2.5 punch with their quarterbacks. Uh, Aiden Aiden O'Connell and Jake Plummer, which Derek likes. And then uh, they have Austin Burton, who comes in for a little bit for to run the ball. Uh, he has passed a little bit this year. But, you know, we got to prepare for like two and a half quarterbacks in this game, which uh, is kind of, it is very, very interesting. Uh, just, you know, depending on the, what scenario that they, uh, what they're in, because you can't really look at Jake Plummer and, uh, think his game is completely different than Aiden O'Connell because Jake Plummer can throw too. And I kind of, I've gone with Derek. I thought Jake Plummer, I thought he was a better passer like previously uh, last year. Uh, What's that? Uh, talk about great butcher of names. Uh, Jack Plummer. God damn it. Uh, J- yes. <laughs> yes. But, but here's the thing. Jack Plummer is throwing 2% Jake, less Jesus. percentage than Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell, 70% on the year. Jack Plummer. Jake Pl- Jack Plummer. Now you got me screwed up. <laughs> Jack Plummer is 68%. So, I mean, they're essentially throwing for the same completion percentage. Uh, he's got 862 yards passing. But he, here's the difference. He has seven touchdowns to zero interceptions. So, I will take that 2% loss if, if, I'm, if, I'm, not, if I'm not throwing interceptions. Like, to me, this is an easy decision. I don't understand why... Jeff Brom is as stubborn as Scott Frost, and I'm going to stick with my quarterback. Well, I well, is that his quarterback? Didn't Plummer start game one of the season for them? I, I think that regardless of who the quarterback is, I think the quarterback situation is a strength of this team. I mean, I think that it is a the, obviously their weapons. Their weapons are second to only Ohio State. Um, but but you're right, Derek. Like, I think that one of the most interesting things about this game is how one-dimensional Purdue is. Because it's not that Purdue just can't run the ball. They don't even try to run the ball. Like, they have completely given up on that being an offense. And interesting about that is you would think being so pass-heavy, their time of possession would suck. They're fourth in the Big Ten in time of possession. Like... That they, they, they're keeping their they're staying on the ball because they're able to complete a very high percentage of their passes. But you know what else is crazy about that? When I think pass happy, I think they score a lot of points. But yet they're 106 in the country in, in scoring offense, only scoring 22 points a game. 
Well, and, and if you look into that stat more, four of their last five contests, they have only scored, they've scored under 14 points. So, I mean, I mean and, they have so scored you t- a lot all year, though. Like, it's not yeah. like. Well, the UConn, UConn, they scored 49 points. UConn in their second, and then their second most points were against Oregon State. And then their third most points was against Iowa, which still messes with my mind. Is a classic Jeff Brom game that he just pulls it out of his ass and is why he has a job and he'll probably upset someone else and hopefully it's not Nebraska. But like Jeff Brom just does that. He pulls off upsets. Um, yeah, this isn't the same Purdue. This is not the Purdue offense. I knew they'd be challenged running the ball. Did Justin, did you think it was going to be this bad? The, running the ball? Yeah. I mean, w- what they're doing is, yeah, no. I don't think anybody saw this one coming. I mean, I mean, they, they have one game on the season they've rushed for more than 100 yards, and that was against UConn. Like, right. And, I mean, that, that bar is, I mean, 100, when you're saying 100 yards, I'm not saying 100-yard rusher. I'm saying 100 yards total 100 yards rushing, total, yeah. And only one time this year. I don't think they've hit 90. And it's kind of crazy like, because it's, really – It's bad. Really, honestly, King Doru, I've, I kind of thought at one point could have been a pretty decent running back. Like, he's got enough talent, it seems like. I, I don't know why he doesn't do better, but he doesn't. Uh, I, I think losing Sander Horvath in their second game of the year probably hurt him quite a, quite badly because right. he's a beast to bring down. But, uh, man, I tell you, it just that, – yeah, the run game is lacking. And now you got you have this game where they're missing two offensive linemen potentially starting, uh, and you're still missing Xander Horvath, along with two defensive ends that are that are going to be out for the game. It sounds like, and their kicker could possibly miss the game. For well, their kickoff specialist, I don't know that he kicks uh, extra field goals, but he kicks. He's a kickoff specialist, and they're not that great on special teams. What what is his name? Because well, that so, is uh, very significant there. Chris Van Ekeren. Well, Justin's looking that up, Derek. I got a question. So I don't know. If, I think Madden or NCAA football used to have a setting on defense where you could play like aggressive, like an aggressive defense, which is highly blitzing, um, going for these plays, or you can play more of a lenient defense. Knowing what Purdue does offensively, are you are you going in blitzing against Purdue? Knowing that they can't run the ball, or are you sitting Hell back yes. there and saying, Hell "Are you no. sitting back there with five, six guys in the secondary and trying to let your front four or five do get pressure, which is not something Nebraska has done very well is get pressure on the quarterback." Well, I, I, t- I tell you, if, if I am Eric Shenander, the first thing I do is I try and just blitz or not blitz. I try to just rush four for for the start of the game and see what kind of pressure I can get because. Purdue is giving up three sacks a game, which is 109th in the country. Yep, we're, we're seeing the two worst pass pros in the country. So, How, I mean, if the, I can get if I can get pressure with four guys, there's no reason for me to dial up blitzes. But if for whatever reason I can't get any pressure with those four guys, then yeah, I'm dialing up dialing up blitzes because I'm get I I tell my team I better not leave you better not leave this game without six sacks in this game. So so it's interesting. So like I look you know at the similar. Passing. You know so they're the passing sim- almost every play, every down. The, the similarities, both the, these are the two worst teams at giving up sacks in the Big Ten, and these are two of the three worst teams at getting sacks in the Big Ten. So something you would think is going to break on Saturday. One of these teams you think is going to get pressure, 
because neither offensive line or I mean or do these offensive lines finally find pass protection against poor pass rushes of each of the other teams. In the case of Nebraska, like maybe I'm foolish, but I just I don't feel we're that bad at rushing the passer. Like we've obviously had moments of really poor performance, but I I feel like we can get after the and make this game uncomfortable if we want to. We had a lot more success well, earlier on in the year than lately. It, I don't know. Maybe that's well, just because we of playing better offensive lines are playing. Teams. Lesser teams. We were playing lesser teams. Yeah. I mean, you played the last two games. We played Michigan and Minnesota, which are in some I mean, we, two of the three or think, four best offensive lines in the Big Ten. I mean, they're they're really good offensive lines. So that does play into it a little bit. But I mean, Purdue's played our, Minnesota too. So our sacks are a little skewed from between Michigan and Oklahoma. Those two games, because we have one sack against Michigan, and I don't think we had any sacks against Oklahoma. And those are two of the better offensive lines out there. I mean, I, I, I don't know. But I, 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 I'd have to go back and look a little closer at who Purdue's played. Like, have they played a lot of passing teams? Do they even try to get sacks? Have they needed to pressure a lot of teams? Well, let, let me get to that. Can we get into the defense of uh, Purdue? Because last week, uh, you know, obviously Graham Mertz is a terrible quarterback. And well, I want to hit that stat in a second. But the teams don't even try. So a lot of people will point out and say, well, they're number one in the country in pass, or number one in the conference in pass defense. And they are good in that. But their teams that they played are Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin are all the teams they played in conference. If again, if you're a stack ranking quarterback play in the Big Ten, that those are three of your four worst quarterback plays. Graham Mertz attempted eight passes last week, so yeah, I I kind of understand why they don't get any pass pressure because their teams they they play against don't pass the ball. Tanner Morgan, who's the best quarterback they played in conference, he's a pretty decent quarterback, only attempted eighteen passes against them. I mean, teams don't throw the ball a lot against Purdue, and I don't think it's because they're intimidated by this secondary. I just think they're they just are inept. So I I do think that that number one Big Ten pass defense is a little bit misleading. That's fair. Yeah, but the th- the thing is, is their rush defense isn't any worse off than Nebraska's really. Like Nebraska's ranked fifty first, and Purdue's ranked fifty third. I mean, it's, it's really only a little over a yard difference per game. Nebraska's at one thirty nine point nine per game to. 141.1 for Purdue. So, I mean, they're, they're just as good at stopping the run as Nebraska is. Which is impressive considering who they've played, I guess. Hey, I want to... Oh, I, sil- I silenced both of them. <laughs> well, I, I, I did want to go back. I mean, I again, their defense, I think last week when they played Wisconsin, I think that is a very interesting game because, one... Obviously, Grammar's throwing eight times is just unheard of unless you're a service academy. And then two, Wisconsin was able to score 30 points, which is only the second time all season they've scored 30 points. So let, let me let me ask you guys this, though. Is this the most improved defense you've seen over from year to year? Purdue? Yeah. I, I'm going back to the point. I don't think they're that good. I, th- I, mean, I think the fact that they gave up 30 hard, points. It's, it's hard. It's hard to be the fifth best pass defense team, the seventh best pass efficiency team, the thirteenth total defense, the ninth best scoring defense. Okay, well, 
Illinois, okay, they played UConn. They shut them out. They played Illinois, gave up nine points. Iowa, seven points. Like, that kind of helps some of these stats here. Like, they, they still have to play Michigan State, Nebraska, and Ohio State. That's their next three games. Get, Call me I, after those three games about where they're ranked nationally because I, I promise you it on, won't be that high. I get that. I get that. And you're probably right. But this was the worst defense in the Big Ten by a long shot. Bob Diaco. Bob Diaco bad. Yes. This was the this this defense made Minnesota's defense look good. Fair enough. Last year. It was so bad they had to hire and, three and, defensive coordinators. <laughs> well, apparently apparently Jeff Brom just likes coordinators because he's got two offensive coordinators too. Yeah. So he's got five coordinators sitting on his team right you now. You get a coordinator title, you get a coordinator <laughs> title. I, I just I may, maybe I'm tipping my hand on what I think the Nebraska game is, but I think these next three weeks, I, I think that the, the, you're going to see a shift um, in these stats. And I'm not saying they're going to finish dead last in the Big Ten because I don't think – I think they have improved. But I, I really do. I think that this Purdue defense is a byproduct of their opponents. And, again, I think the fact that Wisconsin scored 30 points when that offense has not done anything close to that all season is, is kind of a representation well, of that. To, to be fair, I don't know how much of that game you watched. But a lot of the reason that Wisconsin scored that 30 points was because Purdue's offense was turning the ball over so many times. Yeah, and I didn't see that. So I, I also want to add, you know, since we're talking about previous games, you know, they have a win uh, against Oregon State in their opener. And Oregon State, offensively, they score a lot of damn points. And Purdue held them just to 21 points. I thought that was a very big win for uh, Jeff Brom in his opening game. And, you know, that's a big win. He hung in there with Notre Dame, kind of, I guess. Another top 15 team. And they beat the fuck out of uh, Iowa. You know, they've lost some games that make you scratch your head a little bit. But they are a pretty good team. I I just don't know what team that we're going to get on Saturday. Uh that's that's the thing. Uh, they've demonstrated that they they can be really good, and uh, so that's that's what I'm saying. Uh, when you're like trying to belittle their defense, their defense is pretty darn good. I mean, holding Oregon State, they've scored over forty points like four times this year. Yeah, again, I don't want to. I guess let me maybe go a different tactic. I, I think Purdue is a test. I, I, I don't want to make it seem like this is a awful Purdue game and this is, you know, oh my God, their defense sucked. Their defense is better. I just think that there's been a lot of talk this week on social media about, wow, watch out for this Purdue defense. It's really trendy. And I, I just, I don't see them there. I don't think they're a top. Let me put it this way. Gun to your head. Are they one of the five best defenses in the Big Ten? Uh, Get the hell out of here. They are not one of the five best defenses in the Big Ten. They, they may not be one of the five best defenses in the Big Ten West. <laughs> Who, who's, who's ahead of them? Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska. I guess you'd put them fifth. I mean, 
I, I don't Again, know. Again, stati- statistically, and I know you don't want to talk statistics, but statistically they rank higher than all those teams. And, I, they've, played, they've, played two, and they've played two of those teams that you just mentioned. I'm fine talking stats. I, I really am. But like, let's talk about the offensive rankings of the teams that they've played. I mean, like, if you really, I mean, if you really want to talk about it, like, let's look at it. I mean, they're they're playing Illinois, worst defense or worst, uh, um, or I'm sorry, Iowa, second worst offense in the Big Ten. Illinois, third worst offense in the Big Ten. They played Minnesota, ninth worst offense in the Big Ten. Wisconsin, eighth worst offense in the Big Ten. They have not played an average offense yet in the Big Ten. And Wisconsin scored the most points they've scored all conference. The reason why they're that high is because of Illinois, where they ran for 290 yards against them, which is the third most yards they've ran for all season. And they only had to attempt eight passes. Like, Graham Mertz is awful. The, the key to beat Wisconsin is literally make Graham Mertz have to throw the football. Well, that, 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 that's, the, that's the answer. Wisconsin benefited from quite a few turnovers in that game. You know what Wisconsin is? They're the worst team in the country in turnover differential still. Make Grabbert throw the ball. Put yeah. 10 guys in the box. You're right. He will throw it to the one guy. Like, I, I, I get it. Purdue's defense is okay. They're, they are a they're fine defense, and maybe I'll eat my words next week. I know there's people that love the when I make these claims and we don't perform, but I just I think Purdue is I, – I think they're a little overstated on defense. Okay. Is that fair? Is that fair to say that the, that you don't believe that they're one of the top ten defenses in the country at least? I think this is going to be one of the better. De- this is going to be a very good defense that we face. I mean, Nebraska's defense. You know, if you want to say that Nebraska's defense is a, is ahead of them, I I don't know if that's true. But uh, I we'll see. Derek. I mean, I, 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 I'm with you, Justin. I, I think this defense is much improved. I think they're better than oh, – I, I, I think they're probably a better defense than maybe Illinois. I think they're a better defense than – and then Illinois is a team we struggled to score against. Uh, I think they're I, – I, you say that Minnesota's a better defense. I'm not 100% convinced of that. Uh, I think Minnesota's defense is probably one of the other – most improved defenses in the country right now. But I, I'm impressed with what Purdue's doing. I, we'll see what happens, but I, I'm not, I don't think we're scoring 40 on them. All right. Uh, I just had something pulled up here. Uh, I was trying to let you guys know earlier. Uh, the kicker that you were talking about that being uh, possibly out, no, he, it's a different kicker. He's, yeah, he's their, no, he's our kickoff specialist. Yeah. I, I, I meant field goal kicker. And- but but he's not, yeah, yeah I, I seen that he wasn't their field goal kicker. Okay. Hey, did we gloss over Purdue's offensive weapons? Like David Bell and their tight end? And, I mean, is there anything? Well, I mean, I mean, David Bell, let's just, I mean, let's give this guy his flowers. I mean, this guy is, I mean, if you don't want to say he's the best wide receiver in the Big Ten, he's on a short list. Let me just break down what he has done this year. So he's averaging 18 more yards a game receiving than any other Big Ten wide receiver. And in and he's played one less game than any of the other top seven wide receivers in the Big Ten. And he's leading the Big Ten in receiving, and he has over 100 yards more receiving than them. Like, 
he is amazing. Um, but he's not alone. I mean, Justin, I, I don't want to steal your thunder on their tight end, but um, I don't know. You want to tell us about their tight end? No, I mean, go ahead. I mean, uh, Payne Durham has 336 yards receiving. Um, I know a lot of people want to say Austin Allen is a first-team tight end. All Big Ten are in that uh, conversation. Jake Ferguson's another name you hear. that Payne Durham's not far behind him. He's second in the team in receiving yards. Um, I mean, he obviously has more, he has more receiving yards than both of those guys. Um, a little bit has to do with the offense, but I mean, they, they, they are besides Ohio state, they have the second best weapons in the big 10 on the, the perimeter. And with Deontay Williams, not playing like this is going to be a test. I mean that we, we would always miss Deontay Williams. We are going to miss Deontay Williams more this Saturday than probably. I mean, I guess Ohio state's going to be the same, but. These are bad games for Deontay Williams to be out. I'll tell you, there's not a player out there happier than Miles Farmer right now, though. Like, he's going to get a start. And remember, last year's at Purdue where he got hurt and had to miss the rest of the season. So he gets to come back and exact a little bit of revenge on Purdue. Uh, and I look, I think Miles Farmer's a fine replacement for Deontay Williams. I'm not saying he's as good as Deontay Williams, but I think he's a fine player. Uh, you're going to put Cam Taylor Britt on David Bell, who shut down David Bell last year. Remember, I know he had over 100 yards receiving on us last year, but remember like 84 of them came on one play that Cam Taylor Britt wasn't covering him, and Deontay Williams and Markel Dismuke collided in the middle of the field and left him wide open. Derek, you mentioned Cam Taylor Britt on David Bell. So a prediction. Right now, Mel Kuyper just released his pre-NFL draft, and uh, – Interesting tidbit, probably for the first time, and definitely a Scott Frost error. A Nebraska player was in his top 10 at a position, and that was Cam Taylor Britt at corner. Nice. I predict that after Saturday, Cam Taylor Britt will either go up or down in that ranking. Because That's I think a bold that I, prediction right there. Because <laughs> I think that if he goes and shuts down David Bell, like you start, you start like really he having did a last conver- year. Like he did last year. You start having a real conversation with Cam Taylor Britt. Like, how high could he get drafted? But David Bell, man, like, I you want to talk about revenge. I I think he knows that he got owned. And David Bell's been banged up. I think he's starting to get healthy. Like, he's done all this injured. Like, David Bell is starting to get healthy right now. And you have the guy that kind of shut you down last year. I, 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 what I don't want to see is a hubris that Cam Taylor Britt shut him down last year. Um, we are not going to do that because you know what Iowa did? They tried to play him one-on-one and he torched Iowa, put a safety over the top, double team, uh, double team. him. I mean, don't have the hubris. If Cam Taylor Britt shows he can handle and then maybe do it, but don't let David Bell beat you. Yeah. Like that, that can't happen on Saturday. Sp- speaking of wide receivers getting healthy, how much stock are you guys putting into Matt Lubick saying this is the healthiest our wide receivers have been all year? Uh, zero. I mean, I put stock in it. You don't think Omar Manning was a little banged up and Xavier Betts was a little banged up and healthier? You don't think the bye week helped them two out a little bit? Sure. Yeah, I'm sure it helped. I mean, but, I mean, what what are we getting out of that? What what do you think is going to happen that all of a sudden that our uh, wide receivers that look 
slightly above average are going to come out like gangbangers, or, you know, and like just looking awesome this week. I don't know. I don't know if I well, believe I mean, that. I mean, Nebraska's had success passing this year. I mean, I mean, so I mean, it's not like we've been inept throwing the ball this year, Justin. I mean, we've had decent success throwing the ball all season. If if you presume that the wide receivers are healthier, which I would tend to agree, because regardless of the Omar Manny Xavier Betts, but like Xavier Betts missed, missed some games. Omar Manny, we've known has been banged up. Oliver Martin missed many games because being injured. I mean, I would think that a healthy wide receiver room uh, and add in tight ends with Travis Volklick missing games. I mean, that definitely should help a already successful pass offense. Yeah, hopefully. Especially when we have a defense. Don't get, don't seem to put a lot of pressure on a quarterback. Until they face our offensive line. That's what scares me. Uh, that, uh, What's that guy's name? Kolofsky. What's his name? Help me out here. Carl, George Karloftis. Yeah, there you go. Carl Loftus. That little matchup on the uh, on the off- with our offensive line. That, that, does that scare you guys at all? Maybe. I mean, the thing is, I think he's the only one to worry about. So you double team him. Yeah. I mean, everybody else on the defensive line is essentially hurt. I just get the feeling from talking to you guys. I know we're going to get our score predictions here in a second, but I, I just have a feeling that you guys just think this is going to be just a one-sided game. Is that? I don't. No, I, I, I don't. I think Purdue is going to – I just think that where this game is going to be played, I think that Purdue, their offense has been stagnant. I think that they – I don't think their offense is going to remain stagnant. I think that, you know, David Bell is going to come in with a good game plan. I just don't, I think we're going to score more points. I like the over in this game. I guess I'll tip my hand there. The 50 points, I, I think this is an over game. Um, the other stat that's interesting, do you know who the worst team in the Big Ten in punting is? It's not Nebraska anymore. Thank you, Purdue. Is it Purdue? Purdue is now dead last in the Big Ten in punting. Wow. Got it. I know they're special teams. They're not that great, but their kickers, their kicker doesn't miss a lot of field goals. Uh, it's 10 for 12 on the year. Hey, let's not gloss over the fact that we're actually better than somebody has some special teams. Like That's true. And, and, and let, me clar- let me clarify that stat. That's average punts. That, 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 that doesn't include all of a sudden returns and everything like that where Nebraska still last in net punting, but average punts, they are worse than Nebraska. <laughs> hey, small they, they, victories. Thank you. Hey, you know what? Thank you very much, uh, Michigan State, for the net punting stat. That's the that's the difference right there. All right, let's get into our score predictions here. Uh, Tyler, kick us off. Give us a score prediction and a bold prediction. Yeah, um, my, my, my score prediction, I think I've tilted my hand. I think Nebraska scores some points in this game. Um, I think we end up winning this game 38-24. to 24. Um, I think I think it's going to be. A, I don't think Nebraska will ever get up too big on them. I think it's going to be kind of a game, but I think Nebraska gets up early enough and holds them at bay. Uh, Purdue never really threatens. Um, my bold prediction: I think we go over 500 yards total offense. Okay. Last time you made a bold prediction with a yardage, it didn't work yep. out too well. 300. Well, I don't think I said yardage. I think well, I said, you said 300 Adrian. yards for Adrian Martinez and 100 yards uh, 
rushing and then 550 yards total offense. We're close. All right, Derek, let's hear your score prediction and bold prediction. All right, well, I I do believe in Purdue's defense. I think their defense is much improved. I do think they'll slow us down. Uh, I I just – I don't see any reason why they can't slow us down at this point, especially with our offensive line. I, I think we'll run the ball well against them. I, I, I don't know if we're going to be great in pass protection still. Uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 think, I think they'll slow Nebraska down. But what I don't think they can do is score because they haven't done it all year. They don't score a lot of points. I think our defense is good enough to, stop, to shut them down a little bit. Uh, I think Nebraska wins this game like 17 to 10. Oh, that's a low scoring game right there. 17, 10. Okay. And my bold prediction is Nebraska gets six sacks in this game because I think their offensive line is, is probably worse than Nebraska's. They're giving up way worse. Or they're giving up way more sacks than we are. Well, maybe not way more, but they're giving up a lot more sacks than we are, which is hard to do. Plus, they don't have any kind of mobility out of their out of their quarterbacks, so I, I I think we'll get some pressure on them. I think we'll get some sacks. Wow! All right. So for my score prediction, I think this is going to be a, a very close game, a lot closer than what a lot of fans are going to want. Uh, get in the fourth quarter, another one possession game. I do think that Nebraska, they they do come up top, come up on top, twenty four to twenty three. Uh, my bold prediction is, and this is why we get the win, is that Nebraska wins the turnover battle. That's that's my bold prediction. Uh, so 24-23, Tyler, 38-24, and Derek, 17-10. So let's move on to the games of the week. And I just realized I didn't tally up these scores. Uh, maybe I did. Uh Last week I went three and three. Tyler, you went three and three. Derek, you went four and two. So I am twenty nine and thirteen on the year. Tyler, you're twenty seven and fifteen on the year. And Derek, you are still last, twenty six and sixteen on the Wait, year. Wait, what? What are you, Justin? Shoot, you know what? That was yeah. You know what? I was right. I did not tally up the scores. <laughs> uh, I, I went three I and three and you, last I think week. And you are Tyler, you went five and one. And Derek, you went four and two. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll adjust the totals on next week's show. I, f- I forgot to carry it over in the show notes. I, th- I think the spoiler alert is Justin. I think me and you are tied now. Derek, I think you're you're within a couple games. I think it's a competitive race. Justin still can finish last like he always does. We'll see. We'll see. It all starts here. Uh, we got a good slate of games this week, unlike last week. Uh, so a lot of good games. So, uh, top 10 matchup will be our first one. Number six, Michigan at number eight, Michigan state, Michigan is four and a half point favorites. Tyler. Yeah. I, you know, this game's in East Lansing. Um, Michigan state's coming off of a bye week. I think that they, um, are definitely going to be a little bit motivated here. Um, I, I like what Mel Tucker's doing. Uh, we had this debate today. Is Mel Tucker the coach of the year? I think he seals it on Saturday. I like Michigan State to pull off the upset. Wow. Derek. You son of a bitch. Thought I was, you're stealing my thunder here. Uh, I, I got Michigan State. I, Jim Harbaugh, for whatever reason, has struggled against Michigan State, 
and Ohio State. Like, those are the two teams he has completely struggled against. I think Mel Tucker's got this Michigan State team going. Uh, I like Kenneth Walker. I like Michigan State's uh, Peyton Thorne, quarterback, uh, way better than I like McNamara. Uh, Defensively, I know Michigan's going to be a little tougher, but I I think Kenneth Walker gets it done still. And I I think Michigan State finds a way to win this game. Well, here's one game that I'm going to pull away from because I have Michigan. I think Michigan's going to cover in this game. Uh, This is going to be the best team that Michigan State has played by far. And Michigan's going to Michigan's going to kick their ass. I do agree with you about Mel to, Tucker. Mel to, Tucker's best coach uh, in the to Big be Ten fair, right now. To be fair, with with your scenario, this is by far the best team that Michigan's faced too. Could be, could be. There's no could be about it. They're seven and zero. Could be. But I don't know who you think's better than them that they've played. Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, How's that right. for optimism? Well, all right, number, we lost to Michigan State. Number nine, Iowa at Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin's three-point favorites. Uh, I, this is another weekend where a unranked team is favored over a top-ten team. Crazy. Uh, Tyler. Yeah, Ma- Madison's a tough place to play, but we saw what Michigan did when they went into town there. Um, you know, th- this is th- these teams are a lot of ways mirror images of each other. I mean, you have two of the worst quarterbacks in the Big Ten with the two best defenses in the Big Ten. Um, I ultimately think that whatever Wisconsin does, I think Iowa just does a little bit better right now. I think they're a little bit better at quarterback, a little bit better at defense, a little bit better at special teams, a little bit better at running the football. I just think they're a little bit better at everything. I think that the mystique of Madison got beat down a little bit this season with – uh, Michigan going in there. I, I like Iowa to win this game, and I don't even know if it's going to be that close. Well, Derek? Uh, I completely disagree with you. I think I think Wisconsin's coming around. I think their defense is as good as with Iowa's. I, I'll tell you this. I think both offenses suck. I think there will be 10 turnovers in this game between the two teams. <laughs> so, and so- I, and I, think, I think at the end, it's it's hard to win in in, in Madison, I th- I, and, and I think Wisconsin comes up with the win here. So Derek, I, I, th- I think Iowa was exposed against uh, Purdue. So, Derek, I was going to throw this out there. You know who the number one team in the Big Ten is in turnover differential? Iowa. You know who the worst is? Wisconsin. I yes, don't. Th- I, I. But I would. Tell I, there you might this. be ten overs, but I don't know. I, I think you- I know who's going to have the favor there. I will tell you this: Iowa turned the ball, had a lot of takeaways to start the year. In the last couple of games, they hadn't had near as many takeaways, and that that luck has turned for for Wisconsin. You know, you know, it's going to help with that playing Graham Mertz. Tyler, I got to you ask know you a question. What else is going to help with that playing Petrus? Tyler, I got to ask you a question: Will Graham Mertz complete more passes to Iowa or Wisconsin? I mean, it, it's a coin flip. Like I think, Derek, your ten turnovers might be accurate. I just think we know which side of the ball they're going to be on. I mean, it's to the point with Wisconsin. If it's third and six, you've got to run the ball. Really? Because like, you don't think Petrus is going to throw any any interceptions against that defense? Not as many as Mertz. Okay, so maybe not, it's six to four. I mean, I hope so. That would be amazing. I would love to watch a six and four interception battle. I do. I think these are two terrible quarterbacks, 
And I, I just, I think, I, I think it's hard to win in Madison. I, I think Wisconsin will find a way. I'm taking Iowa in this game, uh, but it's going to be a low-scoring game. If there's 25 points scored in this game, I would be shocked. Next game, Texas at number 16, Baylor. Uh, Baylor is three-point favorites. Tyler. I like Texas in this game. Texas is coming off the bye week. It's kind of a theme. I'm coming around with teams coming out of the bye week. Um, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but their running back might be the best running back in the country. He's pretty He's um, pretty good. And pay, Baylor, I you know – They've had a really good year. I, I feel like I'm like I've undersold them a lot, but I I just I think that Texas comes off the bye week and is pretty motivated, and they find a way to stay above 500 and win this game. All right. Well, you know, since 2013, Texas has had four different coaches. And people talk about Nebraska firing a lot of coaches, uh, and I bring that up because I think Texas gets their asses handed to them by Baylor. And I think after that game, I think Steve Sarkeesian's already on the hot seat. I'm sorry. Being four and f- being four and four, yeah. I, I got Baylor winning. Baylor, big. Yeah. I have Baylor also. They, Baylor, they're, they're kind of like the sneaky team out of the Big Twelve. They they weren't expected. Uh, they didn't have high expectations coming into the year. A lot of people didn't think they'd do well, but I mean they're. Uh, they're winning some games here. They've they've got two uh, top twenty five wins, you know, in the last four weeks. Uh, I think Baylor they get it done at home against Texas. Hate Texas. Hate Texas. Can, can, can I ask you guys that question real quick? So I, Mac Brown was his last year was twenty thirteen. So actually, really since so since twenty fourteen, in a matter of seven years, they've gone through. They're on their what fourth coach. Third coach, I'm sorry, third coach in six years. How come nobody talks about the turnover rate at at Texas for coaches? Well, they've had Charlie Strong, Tom Herman, and now you perceive that as a top five job. Like, I think you look at Texas as just a different category. I think you just look at that as a really good job. So I think it's just they're always going to pull it, and they've done it. They pulled the Tom Herman, who was a really big name, and they got Charlie Strong, which I know his reputation is pretty much dead. But at the time, people thought Charlie Strong was a really good coach. I mean, like, Sark is an interesting guy. Like, I, I know he likes the, the bottle a little bit, but, uh, I mean, he, he was obviously – he did get really fired at USC, and he obviously was a great coordinator at Alabama. I mean, I, but the, but I they think you're going to keep getting good names. But they don't – I'm not, I'm not so concerned about getting good names. I just – they don't get the perception of – well, they're they're unfairly firing coaches. <laughs> like Nebraska keeps a coach for seven years, fires him after blowing up, and everybody's going, "What the hell are you doing? You fired a nine win coach." That's fair. That's fair. Or, or or what Tyler likes to say is, "Who are you gonna get?" Hey, you know what? Yeah, it's if just, we can keep, if, it's just, it's just funny keep... to me that Texas Texas gets a pass on it. I mean, you're right. R- really, USC is another one that gets kind of gets a pass. They go they go through quite a few coaches too and they just kind of go well whatever it's usc i don't know if i agree with the usc they kept they arguably kept clay helton too long yeah seven years they okay they may have kept clay helton too long but they fired lane kiffin after like what a year and a half and then they fired start steve sarkeesian after that was two, different two that years. was different the, the sark wasn't at all about on the field no i i think there had some on the field that had a little bit to do with it too if he's winning championships, I think they deal with his drunk 
Pass. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. Number 10, Ole Miss at number 18, Auburn. Auburn is three-point favorites in this game. Tyler? I like Auburn in this game. Uh, Matt Carell out of Ole Miss is getting a lot of pub as a Heisman contender. I think that train comes to an end on Saturday. Um, I think Auburn is actually the third best team in the SEC um, after Alabama, Georgia. I, I like Auburn to win this game. Probably a fairly tight game. Uh, Derek? Ah, man, this, I think this could be a high-scoring affair. This could be a back-and-forth game. I'm going to go Auburn just being at home, but I wouldn't be surprised if Lane Kiffin finds a way to upset him. Auburn. Okay, I'm, I'm opposite of you guys again here. I have Ole Miss in this just because I'm rolling with Lane Kiffin. He cracks me up, and that's who I'll be rooting for in this game. Uh, number 19, SMU at Houston. Houston is one-point favorites in this game. This is going to be a fun game here. Tyler? This is going to be a fun game. Um, I don't know how much of all watch because there's a lot of other good games on, but I'm going to go SMU. And, and I really can't say I've watched a lot. I mean, SMU beat TCU is pretty much all I really know about SMU on the season. Um, but the reason I'm going SMU is because I really want to see that late season undefeated battle, SMU versus Cincinnati. Um, I'm hoping that happens. So I am maybe going with my heart here and SMU winning this game. Derek, I, I really don't have a dog in this race. I don't like uh, what's what's his name at Houston Holmgren. Uh, I just never cared for him Dana. much. Dana Holmgren. Dana, yeah, that's why I don't like him. He's got a girl's name. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the Methodists find a way to win it. All right, I'm rolling with SMU here also, but uh, I just want to uh, throw out a little bit of trivia here with uh, SMU's quarterback. Uh, his name is Tanner Mordecai. He's from here in Waco, played at Midway High School, which is also the home to which Nebraska football Will player? Nixon. Is that even a question? Yeah. 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 I sh- I sh- like, we haven't heard you tell that story a thousand times already. Okay. Even if I didn't pay attention to Nebraska football, I would know that answer because you've told me a thousand times. Well, sh- all right. I don't know. Maybe you'd forget. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's that's Not why that I'm rooting for SMU also. Tanner Mordecai, he's a good quarterback. He plays here in my hometown, here at Midway High School. <laughs> I was at Midway High School today. All right. Uh, shoot, that's it. We uh, made it th- through the show in less than an hour and a half. I'm shocked. Good thing we didn't have a show to recap. Uh, but anything to offer before we head into Purdue, guys? That's a big no. All right, well, let's get out of here. Go Big Red. Yeah, special thanks to our producer, Connor Russell, for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter, at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, and don't forget to rate rate and review. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red. Touchdown! Fifth scores another touchdown! Fifth third on.